Welcome back to episode 101 of the United Pubcast, a very early morning podcast. Larry, we don't often record this early, but um, biggest win of the season. I think we might as well get it out as quick as we can. Yeah, for sure. Um, and look, it's it's a good time to be here. Normally, I wouldn't be up for recording anything at this time in the morning. I haven't had my coffee yet, but I've let you uh, host the podcast, so I don't have to think. So that's always a positive. Well, as probably most of our listeners here in Sydney or anywhere around Australia, we did have the alarm set, but I'm struggling with my sleep and we obviously had the alarm set for 5am. I was up at 4am, so I thought I might as well check the phone, see um, who Ollie selected, because there's obviously a little bit of news surrounding the team selection before the match. The last name I was expecting on the team sheet was Timothy Fosu-Mensa. Did you remember he played for us? Yeah, is it 2015 again? Because I, I was very surprised to see him on the team list. but And we'll go into it, but I think that might mean, um, you know, when you're talking about who has a future at United, you're saying you didn't know if Fosu Mensa was a United player. I think someone might not be a United player much longer. Well, we'll definitely get into Diego Delo. I thought he was going to come on at the end. One of the camera angles picked him up on the bench and he had his jumper off, he had his shirt on. But um, obviously didn't get on. It'll be interesting to see the team selection on, on Sunday in the semi-final. But just on first events, I want to give him a little bit of credit because okay, he wasn't fantastic. And I think Luke Shaw offers a lot more balance on the left-hand side, even Brendan Williams. He's not a left-back. He hasn't played in God knows how long. His last game was probably for Crystal Palace. And I thought he performed pretty well like, in, in terms of Premier League sort of must-win game coming and helping keep a clean sheet. I think Fosu Mensa deserves a lot of credit. And I think if Solskjaer doesn't trust Delow... I think Solskjaer deserves credit for sort of the bravery shown in throwing Fosu Mensah in. Yeah, 100%. And I thought he did his job. Like, to your point, Shaw does offer more balance. But he's a right footer playing at left back. Again, that age-old debate when Brendan Williams first came in. Um, he's not a fullback by nature. He's actually more of a number six. Um, I mean, at least that's where his football was coming through the ranks. So all in all, I thought he was very solid, very assured on the ball. I'd even argue defensively, he placed himself better than what Shaw does at times. So I thought he actually played a pretty decent game. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Especially, again, I made, made the point that it's not his position. I still see him as our future centre defensive midfielder. If not there, maybe at centre back. If not there, maybe at right back. Definitely not at left back. So 100% credit to him. But on to the guy you mentioned earlier, Diego Delo. I think everyone was assuming... There was a little bit of talk of Ethan Laird. Obviously, I don't think there was much chance of him coming in there. So everyone assumed, OK, Delo will come in at left back and not a side of him. He's, he's obviously on the bench and he maybe looked like he was going to be substituted on. But if Delo's not getting a game there, they're throwing Fosu Mensa in his, for his first game in six seasons. The writing might be on the wall for Delo. I don't think it might be on the wall. I think his papers have been stamped and the signature's just waiting for another club to come because I've said this for a while now. I don't think Solskjaer trusts him. And to be honest, I don't rate the player. I really don't. He gets forward well, he's got a good cross on him, but defensively he's awful. And he's not complete enough in the final third to be a winger. And defensively, he's too vulnerable to be a fullback. So, yeah, I think he's done. And I think the promotion of Ethan Laird into the first team exa- um, at the you know during the lockdown since they've returned tells you as well just what he thinks. And I think that it'll be Laird and um, Williams as the backup uh, fullbacks the next season. I think, look, I wouldn't disagree too much. I think it may be a little, maybe a little harsh on Delo. I think you look, we've just had one game where Luke Shaw and Williams get injured in one game. So suddenly we have two injuries and we're almost hit the panic button in the fullback situation. I'm just thinking, if you look at the right-hand side, maybe not the left-hand side, but if Wan-Bissaka is injured next season, 
Do you think we could do worse than having Diego Delo there as a backup? Well, I think we have Fosu Mensa there. And as I said, I highly rate Ethan Laird. If you've watched this guy coming through the ranks, Tom, I'm telling you, he's, he's actually brilliant. I think he could be one of the best fullbacks in Europe. That's how I know that sounds ridiculous because he hasn't played first-team football, but the moment I saw him play, mate, I am telling you, this guy is the complete package. He's better going forward than Delo. He'll definitely score goals, but defensively he's a lot better and he's quick. So, no, trust me, I'm telling you, Ethan Laird, if he's not even a starting fullback for us in the next two years, a backup is more than capable. Okay, hopefully Tony Martial doesn't hear about your new man crush on Ethan Laird, but we'll move on to the actual football. And um, someone who's probably a little bit of criticism, or actually a lot of criticism probably since the return, definitely on-field, not um, not sort of his off-field work, but the new man up front, Dr. Marcus Rashford. Mate, fantastic. Seriously, he was fantastic today. Uh, played really well. And what I the biggest compliment I can give Rashford, I saw people criticising his performances uh, early in the restart or the return to football. And what he's done actually is become such a more well-rounded footballer. Um, the crosses he's putting in, his pass selection, he's not always looking to beat his man every time now, but that makes him more dangerous because you don't know if he's going to pass him behind you. You don't know if he'll beat you. And the composure for his goal, um, that's, the, that's the one thing we've criticised him for, and it just shows he's putting in a lot of work and it's paying off. Well, you just mentioned it in terms of his all-round, or his all-round game. He's sort of showing all these strings to his bow. And I 100% agree. But we look at that and I think... That's something that has developed over 5, 10, 15 years or a career, someone developing their game like that. However, with Rashford, it's almost visibly sort of happened overnight. Do you think that's Rashford sort of just maturing very quickly or do you think Solskjaer has really almost changed Rashford's approach to the game, sort of giving him new instructions? I think it's a combination of the two. Um, In the juniors, he actually came through as a number 10. So originally that was his position. Then they started throwing him wide because it's like, hey, man, you're super quick. We're going to chuck you on the wing, which makes sense. um, And he's definitely dangerous there. But as a number 10, you know, you tend to be more creative. Look for the pass for the man ahead of you. So he's definitely always had it in his game. Um, And I think now there are instructions where you can see, especially when Shaw plays, he's hugging the sideline a lot more. And it's actually Shaw making the inverted runs. Um, as opposed to an overlapping run. So definitely instructions, but I think it's just making Rashford more well-rounded. So perhaps next season, should you get, say, a Sancho, who is capable of also being a playmaker but also a goal scorer, it just makes that attacking three a whole lot more fluid and a whole lot more dangerous. Yeah, well, we'll get into Martial in a little bit. We'll try and keep the podcast in a little bit of chronological order, but I think, again, they just showed up their, they showed their link-up play and their sort of understanding of each other's game. And I think, I think you made the point on Twitter where if Rashford scores, it all, it's almost guarantees a Martial goal and almost flips it in reverse in terms of they're almost challenging each other every single week in terms of I think they're both on 22 goals now. Yeah, spot on, 22 goals each. And if you told me that at the start of the season, I'd be like, well, I'd be happy with that because now both of them, that's their best goal return. Um, but by a fair bit, actually. I think Martial's best was 17 and Rashford's best was around 13 or so. So big improvements for both of them. Um, and and they're, I've got to say, mate, I think Martial, uh, if I may, seriously, he's, he's starting to fulfill that potential to me. He's becoming such a well-rounded number nine. 
Um, and once he scored that first goal, you just saw him. He just gets a lot more dangerous. There was one run towards the second half where um, he's kind of looked for options, but then he saw this small gap. It was when he shouted for the penalty, but it didn't get given. But the fact he just went for it and he just, you know, turns on the gas. Mate, seriously, I think he's fantastic. And again, when we're talking about being more well-rounded, we have to put credit on Martial's name as well because his pass selection, um, there was one where Greenwood fluffed his lines. Um, yeah, just becoming a much better footballer. Well, you talk about their goal records, and you're 100% right in terms of they've smashed their sort of previous records, or I think what their previous records are. They've definitely surpassed them, and credit to Solskjaer for putting their trust in. You mentioned there, they're both on 22 goals. You look at someone who caused us, or perceived to cause us a few problems today, and he's always on the tip of everyone's tongue, is Wilfred Zaha. He always looks a threat. He's only got four goals this season, and suddenly he's, remember last year, he was linked with Arsenal, maybe even linked with Liverpool United sort of thing, for 50, 60, 70 million pounds. He's got four goals. Yeah, I think that's a combination of things. Uh, one, I don't think he obviously has as much opportunity given you know the team he's playing in. But the truth is, and if we're being honest about Wilfred Zaha, does he make a top team better? I don't think he does. I think he's definitely like if I if he was in this United side, would he he's start? Dan definitely James. not for me. He's Dan yeah. James for me. Uh, look, he's better than Dan James for sure, but oh, no, no, he's he, he, he's position in the squad. Yeah. yeah, spot on, spot on, yeah. And, and that's exactly it, and that's what he is. So if he wants to go to a big club, he won't be starting, I'm telling you. Well, talking about positions in a squad and positions sort of on the pitch, this person I don't think had a bad game. I think he actually played quite well, but it was highlighted that it wasn't his natural game and it wasn't his natural position, and something we brought up in the last last podcast, we, we would have both opted for Fred in this position. But McTominay replaced Matic, so he gave Matic a rest. So fair play to Wally for a bit of rotation. But McTominay wasn't comfortable in there, I don't think. He wasn't, mate. And you saw it. The the difference in United's play when Matic came on. Again, so much quicker with the ball. And I swear to you, with everything in me, I was I wanted McTominay to have a great game there and prove me wrong. But I'm sorry, it's just not his game. And the truth is, you can't expect him to pick up technical ability he's never had in his life and suddenly pick it up in the Premier League. Like, it's just not going to happen. He's a number think, eight. I don't think he played bad with Tom, mate. It's just the team was let down by not having sort of Matic's attributes in that area of the pitch. No, 100%. I'm with it. Like, he did his job right, but you don't want him in a deep-lying midfield role where he's meant to be dictating play because... He's he's taken two, three touches. His pass isn't as quick as, say, a Matic. Like, you can't ask a man to do a job that he's just not capable of doing. You can't tell a plumber to, you know, operate on someone's kidneys. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think if you're going to use McTominay, use him as a number eight in a, in a game, say, a City, a Tottenham, where there's going to be a lot of legs and a lot of running. Otherwise, I'm sorry, he's probably just best for the bench. Well, I wouldn't make this case, but we'll move on to almost another or the next midfielder on the list. And I wouldn't make this case, but do you think Bruno's performance suffered from not having Matic there, or do you think Bruno was just poor? I mean, poor by his standards, just for the fact, just individually he was poor. Or do you think it was a combination of sort of the makeup of the midfield? It's hard to say. I think he was poor, um, and to be honest, he's been poor for a couple games now. Um, I th- honestly, mate, I just think he's run into the ground. He's played... I think he's played the most football out of anyone. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm almost certain of it. At least in the attacking players. Uh, and, 
yeah, it's just everything he's trying is it just wasn't coming off today. But to your point, potentially that's because we with that lack of creativity from Matic, he almost felt a need to create more. Um, and the game was getting quite frustrating until that opening goal from Rashford. So, look, at the end of the day, he still contributed towards the second goal, didn't he? And um, he's coming up with moments of brilliance. So as long as he's doing his job, you'd have to say he's going to keep playing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Now, obviously, this is a massive win for United, 2-0, and what was pretty much a must-win game. So I want to move on to positives, but we've just talked about one or two negatives, and we'll just finish off with, I didn't really think it was too much of a negative, but you brought it up during the game. Your thoughts on Maguire and Lindelof, you weren't completely sold, but I look at it and think, okay, it wasn't fantastic, but Palace were on the front foot a lot, attacking because of players like Bruno giving the ball away, McTominay giving the ball away. We kept a clean sheet. So just your thoughts on the Maguire-Lindelof situation at the moment? Yeah, look, I'm not going to go too hard on either of them. Uh, I thought, can I just say, since we're talking about the defence and a clean sheet, David De Gea was yeah. fantastic today. Yeah, very, very good. That's the David De Gea we all want. And I believe he now equals uh, um, Peter Schmeichel for, uh, I think it's the same amount of clean sheets now in their United careers. So fantastic achievement to the Spaniard there. But uh, back to Maguire Lindelof, I think individually they are good players. I just don't think they complement each other. Because if you look at Bruce and Pallister, if you look at uh, Ferdinand and Vidic, one was a ball player, one was super quick, one was more aggressive. Between those two, I actually think Maguire and Lindelof are the same player. I think Maguire is better. Um, Lindelof probably has a bit more clean up in him just because he's got that touch more of pace but yeah I just I don't know mate I just they don't complement each other for me I, you need to put a quick strong center half next to Maguire because he's got clear weaknesses in his game with that lack of pace and in fact if you look at that offside goal Maguire's lost his man hasn't he so he's got some concentration issues that he really needs to address and look he's not a bad player but when you're the captain when you cost eighty-five million pounds, I'm sorry, like you need to be better. Well, I think the centre back issue is um, an issue not many people were talking about in recent months. It's, it's always been about Jaden Sancho or another striker. But I've always said, I think in terms of making that next step and pushing on for a, sort of a Premier League title charge, you're going to need an extra centre back or, or sort of a first team centre back to come in. Just wondering, without getting into one hundred percent transfer muppet mode. Which centre-back is top of your list if you had to choose? There are two for me. Um, I'd love uh, Kaladu Koulibaly from Napoli just because he's aggressive and he's quick. And I think that that's something that current that current centre-back partnership lacks. Um, if we couldn't get Koulibaly, I'd love to have a crack at Skriniar from Inter. I think he's fantastic. I think he's aggressive. Um, he's got good pace as well, reads the game well, and he's quite young. Um, so he could play many years. If if Tuan's AB can get himself fit, I think he could definitely make a case. And Eric Bay, even if he could get some match rhythm, I know he's looked a little shaky coming in. But Bay's one of those players. Once he gets a few games under his belt, he can show a lot of consistency. So again, I don't want to ride those two off. But I think you just need the finished article right now, so we can, as you say, push on for the Premier League and the Champions League. Because if I'm being honest, Tom, and I don't want to be a cynic, but I want to be a realist. And I don't think a partnership of Lindelof-Maguire wins you the Premier League. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely need for investment across the whole team, but especially at centre-back. I think it's an underrated, not not weakness, but something that definitely could be 
um, strengthened. But we'll move on to your boy, Anthony Martial. Where do you want to start? Oh, well, look, the creme brulees are out. The creme brulees are out. Every time... So for, for those who aren't keeping up, I, oh, I just thought, you know, what's something cool we can say with Tony Martial? Um, if, if Marcus is the doctor, then Tony's the chef. Because I'm telling you, mate, those pastries he's cooking up. The goals he's scoring, um, his composure. The biggest pleasure I'm taking in his game at the moment, and I'd, I'd love to see what you think, because I know you're not as much of a fanboy as probably I am, but his link-up play is well improved. He's looking for the pass. As I touched on earlier, uh, the pass for Greenwood, which he, he fluffed. Um, his link-up play with Rashford. again. So I think uh, statistically they've combined Rashford and Martial for more goals than uh, Cole and York. So that's insane. Um, mate, seriously, he's becoming so well-rounded. And that hunt for a number nine, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, I don't think you're going to need it. Well, just say in regards to what you say in terms of he's got those everything now. He's got the goals and he's got the that link-up play. I think my not criticism of in the past in terms of his actually attributes and his performance has been he's done one or the other. He's either scored the goals and looked sort of a bit shaky or a bit wasteful in the build-up play, or he's been fantastic off the ball and in the link-up play, but then maybe hasn't got the goal to show sort of to reward his performance. But now when he's got both of those, you're looking at one of the best strikers in the league. So fair play to him. And the other thing to consider here, so he's got 22 goals. He missed about, I want to say, nearly two months uh, at the start of the season. So that could well be more. Um, and the same with Rashford, really. He had the back injury when he was flying. So both of them could have been approaching 30. Um, it's it's And you know what? By the time the season ends, when you consider we have the Europa League and how far we go in that, they could both push 25, but at a stretch, 30. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially you play them against Lask, as I said with Greenwood, play them against Lask, get their confidence up, we could beat them 10-0 at home, because I think that one is at Old Trafford before they head out to Germany for the rest of the tournament. But we'll move on to 3-2-1s, maybe a tricky one, and I wouldn't usually start on one point, I'll just get your thoughts before we move on. Would you potentially give one point just in the situation and the scenario we found ourselves in to Fosu Mensa? Oh, you know what, mate? Um, I actually want to give it to De Gea because we don't we rarely put praise on the goalkeeper. I think he's had a tough time of it lately, and I think the number one for the number one. You know, I'm I'm just I'm feeling that. I don't know. Have I? Can no, I swing I, you that way or? No, I definitely had De Gea in there. I almost maybe look. I, I don't know how I want to convince you, but maybe in the three players, I probably wouldn't have Martial. I was thinking Fosimensa, De Gea, and Rashford, but I think. I'm not sure how I'm going to survive this podcast if Martial doesn't make his way in. Uh, yeah, that's not happening. Tom, do we win that game without Martial? Just put it in layman terms. Well, it depends. Does Zagallo score the goal? I don't think so. Not the goal that Tony scored. Yeah, of course. I'm not taking anything away from Martial. I just think maybe because I've always been a fan of Fosu Mensa. I just think if we qualify for this top four now... He's come into a must-win game. I don't know when his last game was. I'm not taking the piss. I think it might have been for Crystal Palace. I can't remember him playing for United. It, it probably was, but look, at the end of the day, remove your fandom, right? We have to be impartial on this podcast. And if you remove any fandom, pretend you don't know the 11 players on the pitch, judging purely off performance, I'd actually give it to De Gea. I thought he made some critical saves. He played really well, distributed well. And, look, I thought Fosu Mensah was solid, but I don't think he was the, in the three best players on the pitch. 
Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so we'll go De Gea one point. Now, Martial and Rashford, I think, are the other two. Who would you go? I probably think Rashford mainly... Well, one, I thought he played very well. Not that Martial didn't. I thought Martial was very good as well. But I think uh, it, seems, it seems to be a new sort of term that's thrown around, and, and I use it as well, goal involvements. But Rashford had two, a sort of good goal, composed, composed finish, but also set up the goal for Martial. So maybe Rashford would just um, pick uh, Martial for the three points for me. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think... Yeah, Rashford's all-round game was fantastic. Um, and the composure for that finish, again, excellent. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm telling you, he's really growing, Dr. Rashford. And um, I hope he I hope he just keeps banging him in. Um, so, yeah, Rashford for the three points this week. Well, on Twitter, the 3-2-1's Mad Journeyman. And we're recording straight after, so he got his tweet in right after full-time. But Mad Journeyman's 3-2-1's on Twitter were Marshall, Rashford, and De Gea as well. So pretty much the exact same as us. Now, before we wrap up, we'll move on to... What I think, well, this is obviously the biggest game of the season. It was pretty much must-win FA Cup semi-final. It doesn't get any bigger for that than me. A lot of people sort of don't really see the intrigue in the FA Cup anymore. I'm in a minority. I love it. Lampard v Solskjaer. Solskjaer has the wood over him every time this season. However, maybe I'm a pessimist, but the longer you go beating a team, the closer you are to your next loss. Can we beat Chelsea four times in a season? Oh, we can, but whether we will is another thing. Um, I actually think he's going to rotate the side. I don't think it'll be a full rotation, but I think you'll see Brendan Williams come in or sure if they're fit. I think you'll see Eric Bailly come in. Um, I could see Romero getting a game. I really could. I think one of Pogba or Bruno could get a rest here. Uh, and I think he starts Martial and Rashford, though. He's going to play a decent side, but I don't think it'll be our strongest 11. Um, top four is his priority. I think he wants to win the FA Cup. I'd love us to win the Cup. But there's just there's too much riding on top four, unfortunately. And unfortunately, and Tom, that's what he's going to be judged on, isn't it? Like we, we've said it before, Louis van Gaal won the FA Cup and got fifth. And he got sacked the next day. So if you're Solskjaer... What about Chelsea in regards to their approach? Who do you think a trophy... Forget the top four race. Pretend either Chelsea and United both don't make the top four or we both do make the top four. Who do you think a trophy for is more important in this first season? Lampard or Solskjaer? That's a hard one. I think it's important for both of them because... You know, obviously it's their first seasons respectively at their clubs and... I'm going to say it's more important for Solskjaer simply because we're Manchester United and there is an expectation. Um, And look, to be honest, no matter what, right, if United don't win trophies, they're underperforming. That's just the way we're perceived. It's a good thing. And I like that we're held to that high standard. But look, it's crucial for both of them. But I'd say it's more important for Solskjaer. He'll definitely want to win it. But I think Europa League is probably more achievable. Um Look, let's see how it plays out. But look, like I said, just because I think he's going to rotate the squad because of the importance of making top four, I think there's a chance that we could drop this game. Well, just the last bit on team selection for the Chelsea match. Just You mentioned one or two players who you think might come in or out. What about right wing? Because Greenwood, I thought Greenwood did well today, but again, a little bit quiet in front of goal. Do you think Greenwood now gets sort of rested? And do you think it's somewhat... We saw Jesse Lingard come in. Jesse Lingard obviously loves Wembley. Do you think maybe Dan James won Matter gets a run, or do you think he sticks with Greenwood? I actually think he might give it to Lingard. And can I just say, controversial or not, but 
Lingard actually played well today when he came on. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I well. thought it was really good. Yeah. yeah. His movement, um, he'd pass and move, pass and move, kept possession well, kept his game simple. I thought it was really good. And uh, if you start him um, over, I don't actually think, and I could be wrong, I think Solskjaer's lost a little bit of trust in James. Um, what game was it? Um, who did we verse in the last game? South Was it Southampton? Uh, when yeah. James came on, uh, he, he just doesn't hold the ball up well, mate. It's just not in his game. And I think he could develop it. I think he just probably needs to put on a little bit more weight. But he doesn't hold the ball up well. And I think that might kill him a little bit. And I think for Solskjaer, he wants someone who's got a maybe just a bit more complete um, or more well-rounded. I could see Lingard starting, but I could see, much like the first game of the season, throw Dan James on there in the second half, and he could definitely cause him some trouble. Yeah, definitely, especially Wembley's a big pitch. It's almost a different game at Wembley compared to any other ground. And look, a pitch nine times out of ten, they're the same dimension, but it just has a feel, and even the players mention it. It has a far bigger feel on the pitch, and I think Dan James is almost the perfect weapon, especially the way Chelsea play. And they're fullbacks, so I think it's something we can really target. I think it's Azpilicueta on the right, and uh, it's usually Alonso on the left. And uh, again, I don't know if Lampard's going to rotate or not, but I think they're two sort of players we can definitely exploit if he um, chooses them. But I think it just about wraps up for the early morning podcast. The next, the Chelsea game is a Monday morning. I think it's 3 a.m. Monday morning for us here in Sydney. But um, the alarms definitely will be set. But um, just thank God we got this win because could you imagine the reaction if we didn't get even a draw? I probably would have taken a draw in regards to the points and facing Leicester on the last day. I think a point wouldn't have been a disaster. But just thank God we got that win because could you imagine Twitter if we didn't today? I wouldn't have been hopping on, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely would have joined you. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast out a little bit earlier for you today. So hopefully your trip to work in Sydney or your trip home from work. Um, and again, of course, all our listeners overseas, we do have a lot of countries listening to us now, which is good. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast app you have. So it just pops up and you don't need any notifications and also on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And Larry and I will chat to you first thing Monday morning. So cheers. Cheers.